Love it. So good to see you guys. Good morning. I, uh, I'm battling a little bit of a sore throat uh, this morning, so I may sound like an eighth grader a little bit. Uh, hopefully not too much, but uh, uh, trying to work through that a little bit. But I, I wanted to be here and be up in front and, and to see you guys and to open up God's word with you. I, I just have one announcement. I have to share this announcement. Dave and Sherry Parsons are grandparents. Yeah. First time. Yes, she's coming in right there. I love it. Little little Jane Gray. Little Jane Gray Parsons was born last week to Nathan and Maya. And, and so I know they're excited. And so as a church family, we get to be excited with them. So congratulations, you guys. I know you're just dying to get back east to yes, Kentucky. Where, where is my wife? Yes, FOMO going on right now. Grandma wants the whole little, little Jane. Let's go. I love it. All right, we'll open up your Bibles. Let's get into 1 Peter. Chapter 5, very important topic this morning on the role of the elders, the primary role of the elders in the church, and this is good accountability for the elders, and it's good accountability for you guys uh, to hold us accountable to those things, and so we're just going to study this together. It says this in verse 1, we'll read to verse uh, 4. So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, and as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. One person has said this, and maybe it's true still today, it was said maybe 40, 50 years ago, was this, leaders are in short supply. Leaders are in short supply, and it's certainly not because there's a shortage of literature on the subject. And it's certainly not because there's not a conference that you can't go to to go learn how to be a better leader. It's not because you can't get an advanced degree on leadership. You can walk into any bookstore or even as you're walking to catch a flight in the airport, you can grab one of the top 10 books on leadership, and it's brand new every single month. In fact, you've probably read one or two or a dozen of those leadership books yourself. Yet with even with all the books, all the literature, all the development, all the conferences, people are still looking for good leaders. And the same is true in the church. Congregations are looking for good leaders to follow, those who are going to set the example of how to live out the gospel of Jesus Christ, those who are going to care for them, those who are going to direct them, counsel them, help them, encourage them, confront them. And in 1 Peter, Peter finally comes to this topic of leadership, and he comes to it late in the book here, as he's already taught us this, that we are God's chosen people, we have been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We are exiles in this world. He has taught us the value of submission. He's taught us that we are to not live in our old life, but live in the new life in chapter, chapter 4. He has told us this, that we should not be surprised at the suffering that's going to come our way. He told us this, that there's going to be blessing upon those who, are, who suffer for righteousness' sake. And he also tells us at the end of chapter, of chapter 4 is that judgment and suffering and hardship is going to come to the church. 
In fact, it's going to begin in the church. And then he gets to chapter 5, and he starts out with this phrase. You can see it there in chapter 5 and verse 1. I exhort the elders among you. He turns his attention to the church. He turns his attention to the elders in the church to provide godly leadership in the midst of suffering and persecution. This is the time for the elders to rise up and lead the church. A.W. Tozer said this, and he said this back in the 50s and 60s. I, I wonder what he would say today. He says this, listen closely. A scared world needs a fearless church. A scared world needs a fearless church. And if you're going to have a fearless church, then you need courageous leaders. Because the people will only go as courageous and as bold and as loving and as caring and as tender as the leaders are. And so Peter, appropriately and aptly, starts chapter 5 and kind of descends, if you would, the plane on this letter here, and he calls out to the elders to do the task that God has called them to do, to lead the church. It's a clear call here. Look what it says. I, I exhort the elders among you, and he says this, as a fellow elder, as a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Peter here, he's not commanding the elders as, as though he's, uh, uh, as an apostle, kind of looking down on these elders, commanding them in that way. He doesn't use his apostolic title here. Rather, he exhorts as a fellow elder, as one of you. I'm exhorting you to do what is right. In fact, he avoids any implication of a higher authority. And he says, says this, I'm an elder like you're an elder. Let's do what God has called us to do. Let's shepherd the flock of God. Let's care for the flock. They're hurting. They're being persecuted. Judgment has come. Let's do what God has called us to do. Let's do what is right. He uses this word, that word there, elders, it's the word presbyteros. It's, a, it's where we get the word for Presbyterian. It's used all over the, the New Testament, beginning really in, essentially in the book of, a book of Acts, where it's used numerous times. And the word there for elders, uh, it has to do uh, more with spiritual maturity than it has to do with age. He's not talking about the older people in the church. The emphasis here has less to do with age and more to do with character, maturity, and teaching. Just because you're older doesn't mean you're more spiritually mature than somebody else. And that there are younger men potentially within the church that could rise up and be elders because of their maturity, their spiritual maturity. And as I said, this word for elders, it's used all over the, uh, uh, the book of Acts, and there's elders at the, the church of Jerusalem. Let me just give you some references for, for, uh, for you to look back uh, on your own. In Acts chapter 11 and verse 30, verse 50, uh, chapter 15 and verse 2, and Acts 6-4 is the call of the, leader, of the elders. 16-4, 21-18, it's, uh, it's in uh, Acts 20, verse 17. James talks about elders. Timothy talks about elders. Titus talks about elders. And whenever it's talked about, it's always used in the plural, a team of elders, because power shouldn't exist in the hands of one person. 
If you want the process here of how the church was formed in the book of Acts, here it is. Let me just give it to you. It's this. The word is preached. People are converted. Churches are established. Elders are appointed. And deacons are selected. And voila, you have a church. That's the process. It's still the process. You go and you preach the Bible. You go to a foreign land, you preach the Bible, and people come to Christ. You establish the church, and out of that church, you establish and appoint elders to lead those people, and then you select deacons to help serve in the areas that the elders can't get to and shouldn't get to. And you have a local church. So Peter here, he doesn't actually get into the qualifications of, of, a, of an elder. You can find that if you want in Titus chapter 1, what the qualifications are of an elder. You can find that in 1 Timothy chapter 3 if you want on, uh, on what, what it is that uh, qualifies somebody to be an elder within the church. But here, he is exhorting them to fulfill their primary role, and he pleads with them on three, uh, three different levels here. Number one, he pleads with them as a fellow elder, which we talked about. Secondly, he pleads with them as a witness to the sufferings of Christ, as somebody who was there for the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, who even saw Christ suffered and even partake in some of the suffering himself. And then, is on the, third, the third way is through uh, a partaker of the glory that is going to be revealed, knowing that there's a future reward when Christ returns. And with that comes this plea for the elders to do what they're supposed to do, and that is to shepherd the flock of God. Well, let me give to you then this out of here. We just try to break this down. And I really, guys, I really did try to do this all in one, in one sermon. And I just spent yesterday just not being able to do that. Just, there's just... It's just too good to just kind of brush over this. So there's no surprise to any of you by now, right? Okay. But I want to give you the primary role. Let's just talk about the primary role of an elder. What is their primary role? Look what it says there. As Peter makes this plea to them, in verse 2, you can underline it. It is this, shepherd the flock of God that is entrusted to you. This is the primary role of an elder. He is a shepherd elder, a shepherd leader, and the words there are used interchangeably. In fact, the Greek here, the, the Greek word here uh, used for shepherd is also used for pastor. So pastor, elder, shepherd, those are all used interchangeably. There's no distinction between them as far as role, as far as qualifications. When you say pastor, you mean elder. And when you say elder, you mean pastor. There's no distinction between a lay elder and a paid elder or a paid pastor and a lay pastor. It all means the same. Pastors are elders. Elders are pastors, and they all have the same function, role, qualification within the Bible. There's no way to decipher anything other outside of that. They're synonymous. And we talked about a couple weeks ago, and when we were talking about shepherding the flock of God, we, we had to go to John chapter 10, and we had to go to John chapter 10 because Jesus is the good shepherd, and he models for us what it means to be a shepherd with sheep, to be, a, to be an overseer of those within your charge with, or, or, or those who shepherd the flock of God. And so we had to go there, and we looked there, and we spent time there, and we even talked about sheep. Remember, we talked about uh, the sheep, they're directionless. Uh, they, they don't know where to go. They, they can wander off. They have no sense of direction and can't come back. And sometimes that happens when we're driving, right? We drive somewhere. We're like, okay, I have no idea how to get back. And so we ask Siri, how do we get back home? All right, sheep don't have that ability. They're, they're directionless. They're, they're docile. They're very emotional. In fact, when they get hurt, uh, they'll, they'll just roll onto their side and they'll just lay there until they die. They're dependent. Sheep are always dependent. 
It's a great analogy because you can't use a father-son or, or a daughter analogy because eventually the, the children kind of make themselves independent over time. Some of them try to be independent at eight. <laughs> not, not okay. But not until they're older, they become independent, but not for sheep. Sheep always need a shepherd. They're always dependent upon their shepherd. They're defenseless. They don't really have a defense mechanism within them, and so they need someone to protect them. And so Peter uses this word. It's a perfect word here for the role of an elder amongst the flock. It is to shepherd them, to, to care for them, to guide them, to lead them, to counsel them, to preach and teach the word of God to them, to ca- uh, not to cater to their emotions, but to give them the truth, to evangelize to them, to care for them. This is the role of a shepherd. And we need to be clear here as to what the role of an elder is not, okay? Listen to me closely. The role of an elder is not to be a CEO over the church. That's not their role. The, the, the elder board is not a collection of the best businessmen within the church who can say, hey, let's, let's treat the church as if it's a business and let's grow it, let's expand it. L- let's have other churches around it that look just, just like it. That's not the role of a shepherd elder. That's not the role of an elder board or an executive team. That, that, that's not what they're supposed to do. They're not, their job isn't to write and hand down policy to the rest of the church while they sit in their ivory tower uh, just passing down legislation, passing down rules, passing down laws, passing down policy. This is what I want you to do, and we're just going to go sit up here. Don't know who you are. Don't know what you're doing. We're just running our thing as if it's a business. That's not the role of, role of an elder at all. They're not simply just advisors to the head pastor either. They have a role, they have a task, and it's a team that's, that's built together with one thing in mind, and that is to shepherd the flock of God. Care for the people. Get dirty, get messy. Get with the people. Let them know that you love them and you care for them. Teach the truth to them. Don't be distant from them. A shepherd knows his sheep. We talked about that uh, with Jesus, how he knows each one. He knew each one by name. Alexander Strzok, in his book on on eldership, he says this, according to the New Testament concept of, of eldership, elders lead the church, teach and preach the word, protect the church from false teachers, exhort and admonish the saints in sound doctrine, visit the sick, pray, and judge doctrinal issues. In biblical terminology, elders shepherd oversee, oversee, lead, and care for the local church. That's the role of a pastor. That's the role of the elders. Now, out of that is a main four main components to shepherding the flock, and this is where I want to help us and, and continue to kind of uh, uh, lean into this a little bit more. This is important for us to understand as our church is elder-led. The highest priority in shepherding the flock of God is this. This is important. Write this down. The highest priority in shepherding the flock of God is to feed the sheep. Feed the sheep. The shepherd elders to provide the flock with the soul-satisfying word of God. The soul-satisfying Word of God. This is key to the health and growth and protection of God's people. 
This is exactly what, uh, if you remember what, what, what Paul said to Timothy, he's writing these letters to young Timothy as this young pastor that's going around uh, in these churches and, and he's raising up and discipling Timothy. He says to them, he says to them this, preach the word. When do you want me to preach the word, Timothy? In season and out of season. Why? Because people aren't going to want the word of God. They're going to want something else, but you stay faithful to preach the word of God. He's writing to Titus, and Titus is left on this island, and he's, he's going around this island of Crete, and he's establishing these churches, and he says to him in Titus chapter 2, verse 1, he says, but as for you, teach what accords to sound doctrine. Give them the truth. Feed them the truth. They need sound doctrine. They need the word of God. It is soul satisfying. Don't buy into the culture that tells you you need less of the Bible and more of the world. Don't do that. Preach the word. Give them the truth. God's flock cannot survive on anything less than the pure, unadulterated word of God. Let me say it this way. God's flock cannot survive off of great Twitter quotes from dead Reformed pastors. And I love dead Reformed pastors, by the way. And they've got great quotes, and I share them with you. But God's flock cannot survive off that. God's flock cannot survive off of Facebook stories and Instagram stories of amazing men and women who share their pithy quotes, and they're good, but you can't survive off that. You must thrive and survive only on the word of God. And this is the primary role then of the elder to ensure that the church is sound in its doctrine teaching and exhorting, and Che even said it in his announcements, everything we do comes out of the Word of God. It starts at the Word of God. It goes out to the people. The people say, hey, what's going on? We go back to the Word of God to find answers, and we go back out to the people, and we tell them. That's how it works. Everything is centered around the Word of God. We need to understand this too, church. There's no shortcuts to spiritual health. And to spiritual maturity, there's no pill. Hey, can I take the theology pill and just, just pop a few of those each day? The doctrine pill, the knowledge of God pill, and I'll just grow because uh, that's an easier way. Is there like a drive-through theology where I can just learn a little bit here and, and that's it and I can just grow? There, there's no way to fast forward your spiritual maturity outside of sitting under on a weekly basis, if not more, the pure word of God. I love how Vody Bachman, he illustrates this, and I'm going to steal his illustration. He talks about strawberries in a strawberry patch. Okay, so just, just listen here through this. He talks about this man who takes his son into a strawberry patch for the first time, and his, his son was like, wow, look at these amazing fruit, and he, he takes a piece of the strawberry, and he eats the strawberry, and it's delicious, it's amazing. He loves it. It's sweet. It's perfect. Well, as you know, eventually over time, strawberries are, aren't just kept to just plucking off the vine and eating them. Now strawberries are made into strawberry preserves, into jam, into yogurt, <laughs> put in cereal, uh, placed in the middle of Pop-Tarts, for those of you who like Pop-Tarts. Eventually, the strawberries are made into a fake chemical-based, sugar-based, flavored, whatever you want to call it, goodness. <laughs> That's really what it is. 
It's just a flavor with sugar, chemical. Now, all the boy wants is no longer strawberries. Now, he wants this slushy-flavored goodness that's not even the real thing anymore because it tastes sweet and it tastes good. When it's time to eat the real strawberry, he doesn't want the real strawberry anymore. And it's kind of hard to chew. It's kind of hard to swallow. It's, it's got little seeds on the outside of it that, that kind of get stuck in your throat. Why, why would I want that when I can have this really quick high of sugary flavored, kind of tastes like strawberry goodness? It has zero nutritional value, but you get a good feeling at the end of it. This is what's become of much of modern-day preaching. Modern-day church is Bibleless slushies. They're sweet sermons that go down easy. They taste great. They make you feel really, really good. And over time, that's all you want is more and more and more and more of that not realizing that it's doing more and more damage to your soul than just the pure, unadulterated Word of God that might be a little bit more difficult to swallow. You might have to sit a little bit longer. You might have to turn in your Bibles to other, uh, other places of Scripture. Your soul might get confronted. Your conscience is sitting under the Word of God. And this is what the elders and the pastors and, and, and the teachers within the church are to do is to hold people under the word of God and to not feed them anything fake. Feed them the truth. Just give them the truth. Tell them how it is. Because you know that's what's best for them. You know that's what their soul needs. This is what a shepherd does. He feeds them. He leads them to green pastures. Oh, you see this in Ezekiel 34. Because God was pretty serious about shepherds. As he, in Ezekiel 34, I want you to see how serious the Lord was about people feeding his own sheep. need to turn there because I want want to read a a big portion of this just to get the full essence of understanding the importance of feeding and taking care of God's people through the teaching of the word. It says this in verse 1 of Ezekiel 34. By the way, it's a little bit harder to find Ezekiel, I know, because it's probably not one you go to very often, but we're there now. Verse 1, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep? The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought? 
And with force and harshness you have ruled them, so they are scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep are scattered. They wandered all over the mountains and every high hill. My sheep were scattered all over the face of the earth with none to search and to seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts since there was no shepherd and because my sheep have not searched for, or my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves. They have not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not, may not be food for them. Verse 11, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will make I myself will search out for my sheep and I will seek them out as a shepherd seeks out the flock and he is among his sheep that have been scattered. So I will seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered all the day of the clouds of thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from their countries and I'll bring them into their land and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country. I'll feed them good pasture. And among the mountains of heights of Israel shall be their grazing, and they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pastures they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord. I will seek the lost, I will bring back the the strayed, I will bind up the injured, I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy, I will feed them in justice. As for you, my flock, says the Lord God, behold, I judge between the sheep and the sheep, between the rams and the male goats. It is not enough for you to feed on the good pastures that you must tread down on your feet and rest on your pasture and drink of the clear water. That you must muddy the rest of your water you feed and must my sheep eat what you have trodden with your feet and drink what you have muddied with your feet. Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, behold, I, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep because you push aside and shoulder and thrust all the weak one with your horns till you have scattered them. I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey. I will judge between the sheep and the sheep and I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. And he shall feed them and be their shepherd And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be the prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. What is he trying to find? He is trying to find a shepherd who would do what? Feed the sheep. That's what he's trying to find because the shepherds who were doing what they were doing and an abomination to the Lord were feeding themselves. They're enjoying enjoying the fat of of their own not, in, not feeding the sheep themselves. And the Lord said, I will wipe you away and I will have one who will come and shepherd a sheep. And we looked at that one person two weeks ago, that is the good shepherd. And he would feed his sheep because that's what they're to do. In fact, this is what Jesus came to do. And, and Peter even plays off this. If you look back in 1 Peter chapter 2, in verse 25, he says this, and we probably just brushed over this at some point, 
because we taught through it, but let's look back at it. Just verse 25 of chapter 2. For you were straying like sheep, but have now what? Returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. And here in chapter 5, he calls Christ what? In verse 4 of, of chapter 5, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Jesus said this in Matthew 4, 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So the pastor, elder, shepherd is to feed the sheep, primary responsibility because it's the only soul-satisfying food that the sheep can grow and thrive and be protected with. If you remember, even back in 1 Peter chapter 2, it even talks about craving the Word of God. Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it, what well, you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. In Jeremiah 3.15, it speaks of a similar, a similar thing desiring the Word of God, craving the Word of God. So the primary responsibility then of the elders is to administer healthy teaching within the church. Surely they can't do all the teaching in every scenario as, as it grows out, and so they're regulating that with people who, who abide by the doctrine of the church, who, who want to teach the Word of God, and they oversee that and govern that, dispensing the Word of truth and every aspect of ministry. You want to go down right now? You can go down right now if, if you like. Don't, but you could. Uh, to the kids. You're not going to find them in a, in a bounce house. You're not going to find them sliding down slides. You know what you're going to find? Under shepherds, feeding them the Word of God. That's what you're going to find. They're going to open up the Bible into the Old Testament. And they're going to learn about men and women who stood for the truth. You're going to come to a men's Bible study. You're going to come to a women's Bible study. You're going to go to a Bible. And it's actually a Bible study where we actually open up our Bibles and say, this is the word of the Lord because this is what is going to feed your soul. Why would we ever close our Bibles and do whatever we want? Say whatever we want. What good is that to anybody? That's malnutrition. It's fake. It's not lasting. And that good little goosebump you get on the back of your neck after a message like that, it's gone by one o'clock. And then you're searching again for the truth. I get a little bit passionate about this if you can't tell. So Peter says, this is what you need to do. You need to, you need to shepherd the flock of God. What does that mean? It primarily means this. You need to feed them the truth. You feed them the truth. Well, to do that effectively, you need to know your sheep. That's number two. You need to know your sheep. Part of shepherding the flock of God is knowing your sheep. Now listen to this closely. Pastor elders are not seminary professors. They can be, but they're different roles. Professors, and I ride the coattails of all these professors, believe me. I open up professor after professor in their commentaries, and I read all of them, and I need them in my life. But being a professor is different than being a pastor. Being a pastor is different than being a professor. Now, there's some who are gifted enough to be both. 
but just an understanding the role here. It's not just, hey, a teaching head, and then I don't know what's going on with the sheep. No, no pastor elders are, are, are there among them. Look at what it says, actually. It says, shepherd the flock of God, that is what? That is among you. That's among you. Shepherd the flock, your flock, the one that's been entrusted to you. Don't try to shepherd the flock of other churches. Don't try to get your hands in the mess of other churches. You have flock, you have sheep, and they're needy, and they need you. Devote your time there. Care for those, those, that, that flock. But, but notice this. It, before it says that is among you, it says this. This is, this is very important for us to, us to understand. It says, shepherd the flock of what? The flock of who? The flock of Joe Penberthy? No. The flock of the elders? No. It is, the, it is God's flock. And God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for this flock. Christ shed his own blood for the the sheep, and he called them. It is Christ who died for them. It is Christ who loves them. It is Christ who draws them. And so the elders and shepherds are simply, uh, or the elders and the the pastors in the church are simply under shepherds to the good shepherd. Been given an allotment to say, hey, here's, here's the portion that, that I've entrusted to you. And it becomes a stewardship then. Simply an under-shepherd to the chief shepherd. Acts 20, 28 talks about this very thing. That Christ died and shed his own blood. It's Christ's flock. It's Christ's church. There's one shepherd, there's one flock. It's not mine. I didn't die for you. I didn't save you. Christ died for you. Christ saved you. He is your shepherd. And the under shepherd's job is just point you back to the good shepherd. We saw that in John chapter 10 a couple weeks ago. We constantly are going back to the good shepherd. We're constantly going back to the chief shepherd. And one of the ways that we, we know our sheep here practically within our church is through church membership. Church membership identifies to the elders, those who have said, I'm committed. I'm willing to even, even sign a formal commitment to say, hey, I, I, want, I want you to know this. I want you to know that I'm a part of this fold. I'm a part of this flock. I'm willing to, to make the commitment. What, what do I need to do to become a member of this church? I, I, I want to remove any uncertainty. I understand in a day of, of non-commitment that it's not popular to do that anymore. But, well, we don't care what's popular. <laughs> we care what's biblical. And we want to know you. We want you to make that commitment to say, hey, there's shepherds that want to be involved in your life. Wayne Mack says this, it's not enough for us to say that we are merely a part of the universal or invisible church. All those who believe throughout the world, regardless of church affiliation, we must also commit ourselves to a local or visible group of God's people. The New Testament does not contain even a hint of someone who was truly saved and not part of a local church. There are no maverick Christians. They're just out there on their own. They're all part of a local church. So the role of the shepherd then is to know their sheep and the, the avenue by which a redemptional Bible church that we can effectively know you is to, is to first say, hey, well, commit yourself. Let us know that you're committed to us because we want to commit ourselves to you. We want to shepherd and care for your soul. So that is... The second one is to know your sheep. Number three is this, lead the sheep. Psalm 23, if the uh, very popular psalm, it says he leads them to green pastures. Lead the sheep. Lead them in the truth. We'll talk about this more next week. 
uh, as we get to what it means to exercise oversight. But I can say this to you as regards to leading people, in regards to teaching the truth, is that there's been an incredible search these days for truth, and everybody is looking on the internet. Everybody's looking to Fox News and CNN to find the truth. They'll spend hours and hours listening to people say the, the same things. And then read it on Twitter and then find it on Facebook. And there's just this absorption of trying to figure out what is the truth. And then they go to their church and the, and the pastor's up there doing the same thing. Just regurgitating all what these, these, these pundits are saying about what they believe the truth is. Listen, Christ has told us what the truth is. John 17, 17, sanctify them in the truth your word is truth. So lead the sheep to the truth. Feed them the truth. Let them see what our world is doing through the lens of the Bible, a biblical worldview as to what is happening. Believe me, you'll sleep better at night if you meditate on God's word and his sovereignty and what he's doing, and we may not understand it, and it is you're, you're meditating on, on news outlets for an hour before you go to bed. It's the job of the pastor to lead the sheep. Let me give you one more. Protect the sheep. Protect the sheep. You want to know the best way to protect the sheep? You ready? Feed them the truth so that they know when air comes along, the radars go off and say, that's not truth. That's not truth. They know it because they've been fed the truth over and over and over again. It's the best way to protect the sheep. The best way for me to protect you is to what? Give you the truth so that you know an error when you see it. In fact, it's told to the FBI that uh, way back when, when they were uh, trying to figure out counterfeit money, there's all kind of counterfeit money. The way they would train the FBI was to do what? Have them study the original one, the real one. And they'd study and study and study it, every single piece and every single part of it and every, every single detail of it so that when they came across a counterfeit, they knew exactly that it was a counterfeit. And the best way, church, for you to understand what a counterfeit religion is, what a counterfeit truth is, is to know what the actual truth is. And so the best way to protect you is to continually feed you over and over and over and over and over and over and over again the truth. And that's the job of the shepherd. It's the job of the elders. Acts 20, 28 and through 30, it says this, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. He says this, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among yourselves will rise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples. So this is the primary role. Shepherd the flock, feed the flock, care for the flock, know the flock, protect the flock. The primary way in which that done is through the preaching and teaching of God's word and holding you guys accountable to what the, the word of God says. Well, next week we'll figure out how to do that. How are you supposed to do that? It just says it very clearly. Thankfully, it, it tells me I don't have to make it up. This is how you do that. And we'll look at that next week. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, uh, we're so thankful that uh, you've given us the Word of God in so many ways and in so many levels it ministers to our heart. New truths to behold, old truths that we remember. Lord, you've told us, you've taught us, and you've shown us through the Word of God the the role and the responsibilities of the elders and pastors within the, the church to shepherd the flock of God. Lord, it's my desire as it is with the rest of the elders at the church to want to do that as best as we can in a way that is most honoring to your son, Jesus Christ. And in no way are we perfect at it, no way. But it is our aim and it is our desire. Be faithful shepherds who love the sheep and want to care for them. Want to ensure that their soul is cared for by the good shepherd. To feed them the truth. To remind them that there's counterfeits out there, that there's false prophets, there's false teachers, there's, there's food out there that's not good for their soul. To keep coming back to what is true and what is right and what is noble and what is pure. And that is the word of God. It is the only soul satisfying thing that we have here on earth. Lord, so encourage our hearts even this morning in your word and through your word. Convict us where we need to be convicted. Comfort us where we need comfort. As we strive each and every day to line up underneath our chief shepherd, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.